Hello and welcome to Highlander Newsroom, a program that discusses articles and issues covered in the Highlander newspaper at UC Riverside. My name is Madison Rines and I'm the editor-in-chief at the Highlander and your host for today. I'm joined by Amore Alvarez, the assistant news editor, Ashley Chen, the features editor, Samuel Lau, the radar editor, and Sina Omar, the assistant features editor. We have a few interesting topics lined up for discussion today, so let's go ahead and get started. First up is an article discussed by our editorial board on the banning of books in Texas. These books have been banned and condemned by parents as being pornographic. However, most of these books that are being banned are not pornographic. They just center around LGBTQ characters and critical race theory. So do you guys think these parents' arguments have any teeth, Amre? I think that obviously we should, to some extent, filter the content for children in school. Maybe if it is pornographic, then it shouldn't be shown, but I don't think that issues of LGBTQ community or race should be um, excluded. I don't think that, that those topics should be, I don't think that they're considered bad. I feel like they're important for um, people around this age period to learn about, and I feel like it'll help people be more accepting in the future. Ashley? I think I also agree with Amory, also because like, now like everyone depends on technology, so either way, like. The younger kids or the, or the younger generation are gonna like know about it through their social media since a lot of them have like phones and stuff so yeah i think i don't think it's like good to hide it right now like at this point and sam um i think that we definitely have to look at age groups and that plays a factor but if we're talking about you know when we say children like older you know people pushing towards their like late teenage years and stuff i think that it'd be a complete uh, just mistake to kind of take away people's rights to look at what they want and I feel like it, it's still when it comes to literature you can at least filter it out somewhat I feel like Ashley said with technology and stuff like that's just gonna make it worse I feel like you know you kids can easily hop on Google and then might be seeing things that are complete just uh, complete lie to what they actually wanted to learn about and then it could cause a bigger problem, could cause more trauma. Uh, I think banning books for an older age group would be a complete mistake. I think that there's like so many other things that children have to worry about in schools and that the government should be worrying about happening in classrooms in like high schools and middle schools that are so much more important than kids reading books about people of color and people who are gay. Like it makes absolutely no sense to me that lawmakers are worrying about books involving taboo topics in quotes rather than like children literally getting shot in school like this makes no sense yeah definitely and do you think these parents arguments um will affect young students in the future ashley yeah i definitely think it'll affect like young like parents in the future just because like i feel like again with technology they're gonna find out either way (laughs) so there's no point hiding it so yeah Emory? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I definitely think um, this effect on students, um, it's it's doing students a big disservice by um, banning these books and kind of like arguing to ban these books just because I feel like, like Sam said and like everyone else said, um, banning these books for children who may need a safe space to learn about these things is doing them a disservice. Um, it's better to learn these things in a safer, quieter environment 
And who knows, like some kids may be struggling with race and being gay at home in a place that's not as accepting. So libraries that have these books are, it's important that libraries have these books to give these students a safe place that may not be in their home to study. Um, but yeah, our next article was written by Assistant Opinions Editor David Moreno discussing Spotify's actions or lack of action in dealing with Joe Rogan and underpaying their musicians. Um, what do you think should come next when dealing with Joe Rogan's podcast um, and podcasts in general? Um, Amory? I feel like it's a little complicated because on one hand, people do want that freedom of speech. But then these um, companies like Spotify, they do have the right to like censor what they want because they ultimately like own their company. So I feel like if majority of the Spotify users and people who use that platform like are against Joe Rogan, like it doesn't align with the policies and mission statement of the company, then I think like they do have that right kind of to like remove him. And I feel like they haven't done anything because they don't want to lose those other like followers or subscribers who do support him. And then I think that they do need to pay their um, the artists more because there are other streaming services, but Spotify is kind of the more like popular one. So they're kind of holding like that monopoly over them. So I feel like by giving them a pay increase, they won't be tempted to like leave Spotify or only exclusively use something like Apple Music. Mm -hmm. Ashley? Yeah, I think like Spotify does have to write at the end of the day just because like if their company, like the artists, are like posting their songs in their like platform, so at the end of the day, like I think it's Spotify's like choice because of their company. Yeah, I definitely agree that Spotify has the power to remove mm -hmm. these podcasts, and I personally think that they should remove these podcasts mm -hmm. because they are very harmful. Uh, Sam, um, kind of trying to play devil's advocate. I feel like there's always two sides of the coin, and in this situation. No matter what, there will be some group of people, whether big or small, upset, whether they choose to remove it, whether they choose to keep it. Um, I think it really just, whatever decision they make will definitely become the new face of their company and will become the new brand of their company. And that's their choice. And that's what they, if that's what they choose to do, they should at least understand the consequences of their actions and, and how this will affect their image moving forward. Um, when it comes to the underpaid artists, I feel like that's been an issue for quite some time now. And even big name artists have, have complained and those are they have led the charge with this. I think that's something that definitely needs to be looked into because I feel like these two problems go hand in hand because both essentially set the image of the company. And this underpaid issue has been going on for years now. So is it really surprising that they also don't want to make a move on the podcast? Yeah. I think it's important that Spotify as a company needs to like take a stance and by not doing anything about these podcasts, they're essentially taking a stance that's saying they're not going to police the kind of media that they're allowing onto their site, which is fine if they want to be known as a site that allows for anybody to come and like say whatever they want, sort of like it's not a site, but a streaming platform. If they want anybody to come and say whatever they want. But it's just, like Sam was saying, it's a reflection upon the brand of Spotify. The people who post things to, like, podcasts and music and things like that, it's a reflection upon themselves. And on the issue of um, the artists being underpaid, I think that this is an issue in every single field. It's always a problem that people are not making enough money anywhere, no matter what they're doing. And as a whole, this problem really needs to be solved. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the fact that artists are being underpaid on Spotify compared to like their competitors, Apple Music and Tidal and Amazon Music just kind of goes to show that Spotify only really cares about the money and not really about the information that they're putting out. And that's kind of like concerning uh, just because millions of people stream on Spotify. So it's concerning because they're reaching such a large impressionable audience. They really need to be more careful with the information that they're putting out. And next up, we're covering an article. We'll be discussing an article written by a contributing writer, Kimberly, Kimberly Bajek. And she talks about the book of Boba Fett and how it came out. So, Sam? Yeah, I actually, um, I really, I, I watched the show. I was actually, like, timid about it in the beginning just because, you know, um, sometimes when you take a great movie series and you try to spin off a show on it, sometimes it kind of ruins that image in your mind. And I was worried about that. But I feel like the Star Wars franchise did really well with The Mandalorian. And so I eventually gave this show a chance to, I didn't really want to wait the episode per week, so I was letting them pile up. But I enjoyed it. I thought the plot was nice. Um, I thought it really set up, I, I, I think they set up themselves to do anything they want in the future. And I think that was super cool. I know that they left multiple avenues open to give themselves um, an opportunity to maybe branch out, maybe start a new uh, movie trilogy they just finished up the most recent trilogy so like i feel like i'm very excited to see where the direction will head moving forward yeah i personally haven't seen the book of boba fett and i haven't really seen the mandalorian but i heard a lot of good things i heard a lot of positive things about it so maybe one day i will get around to watching it amory i actually haven't seen them either i haven't seen boba fett i'm not the biggest star wars person but I know that I have heard good reviews, and this is a big thing for Disney Plus because it started off like as a streaming service with their other like already made shows, but now they're kind of transi transitioning into making content specifically for that instead of just like on the Disney Channel. And I know like I watched the Marvel shows like um, the What If or the the Loki show, and I like those, so I think it's a good concept to keep like building these franchises. Definitely, Ashley. Yeah, I personally never watched it too, like even though I have Disney Plus, but like it's definitely on my list right now that like, especially because I've heard so many good reviews on it, but yeah. Yeah. Sia? Uh, I've also never watched it. I've also, I think I've only watched like <laughs> one of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> it's like the new one that came out recently. It's the only one I've ever seen, but honestly, I might have to check them, check them out now. So, Sam, since you are the only one who watched the book of Boba Fett, what would you say is your verdict for the show? I think it starts really slow, insanely slow, for the first few episodes. But you got to push through those, and it's, it comes to fruition in the end. It's definitely worth it. I don't know spoilers for me. I hate spoilers. So I will just say that. It will, at the end of things, once you finish the series, you will realize it was worth it. But in the beginning, you're probably going to, you're kind of going to be pulling your hair. Okay, that's interesting. That's definitely good to know. I hate when shows start off really slow. I feel like I lose um, focus and I lose my, it loses my attention like within the first like 20 minutes. I'm really impatient. I always like to see action happening. So I'll keep that in mind when I eventually watch this. Um, 
And then next up is an article written by our contributing writer. Um, it's about Valentine's Day secret menu. Um, and personally, I haven't tried the Valentine's Day secret menu things at Starbucks. Um, and this is for Starbucks. But yeah, they did sound good, especially the pink drink mixed with like all of those different syrups. However, I'm a bit concerned that the all of these drinks sound really, really tooth achingly sweet. So I don't really know. Like, I personally have never tried the secret menu items, but if I were to try something, it would probably be the pink drink with the raspberry infusion. Um, I think that'd be really cute. Um, Amaray. So I haven't tried any of the Valentine's Day ones, but I've tried a few other like secret menu hacks or whatever at Starbucks, and I do like them. I know for some people it can be a little embarrassing, like going up and asking <laughs> for too many items or being too specific. A lot of people kind of get anxious. Um, I remember like people used to make like little Pinterest posts, like if you want a churro wrap, like order this. So that's what it makes me think of. I liked when people had pictures and could show like the exact ingredients. Definitely when you're ordering secret menu items or anything like that, I would definitely recommend being super patient and super nice with your baristas, um, as I'm pretty sure like hearing your order will probably give them a headache. But Ashley? Yeah, um, I don't, I've tried like a few secret menu items like from the past, but I've never tried like the Valentine's Day secret menu. Like, I think they, they sound really good, especially I think like the white mocha one. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's like kind of, it might be too sweet for me. Like I have a sweet tooth, and like I know the past like secret menus I've tried are like overwhelmingly sweet. So yeah, and they yeah they add up too. <laughs> they're yeah. not cheap, especially when you get a tall one too. Like they're not cheap. <laughs> yeah, definitely recommend yeah. getting a tall. I think she says that in the article as yeah. well. Just get a tall to try because yeah. they could be sweet. Um, I think a cute idea for a Valentine's Day drink would be like their matcha with strawberry puree, like a matcha strawberry, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if any of you guys want to try it, but if you're <laughs> looking for something not as sweet and kind of strawberry pinkish, a matcha with strawberry puree would probably be really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam? Yeah, I don't, I don't drink, like, I don't go to, like, drinking places quite often. So I honestly, if I do go, I would never touch the secret menu. But I like the concept. I think the concept of playing into the season and what what is popular in that season is really cool. That I, I do kind of respect that because it keeps things fresh, it keeps things interesting. And so, you know, I you know, this time around I might I might have to try one of these drinks out. Yeah, Cena. I feel like I always shy away from ordering off of the secret menu. Not just because I don't want to like bug my priest. I always feel bad when I ask for like 15 million modifications on any drink. I just don't want to stress them out. But also, they're always Frappuccinos. And mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest Frappuccino person, but when I read this article, I saw that there was like the refresher one and like the latte one. I was like, maybe I'm going to try these. Because the, I think it was like the Cupid refresher. It sounded really good. So. Yeah, the Cupid <laughs> refresher. Yeah, that sounded really good too. Um, and then lastly, we're going to cover an article written by staff writer Elias Almaraz Herrera on Nicki Minaj's new album. Um, personally, I have not listened to this new album yet. I do really like Nicki Minaj. However, I know that whole thing happened with her being anti-vax on Twitter. Um, I thought that was really crazy and I still like her music, but it is concerning that she is kind of anti-vax. Um, 
but I haven't listened to this new album yet, but I have a lot of high expectations just because like her last few albums were so good. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what this album will be like. Uh, Amore? I haven't listened to this new album yet. Um, I think recently I've been more of a Cardi B fan. Don't want to upset the barbs. <laughs> That's what um, Nicki Minaj's fans are called. But I do um, think she's so good. I like the her community and how like they have her flag. They really support her. But I know um, after she became anti-vax, a lot of people did feel kind of differently. Um, there were memes where people were like adding like vaccine cards to the flag with her. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> but I'm sure it's good. And what do you guys think that like her being anti-vax and all of that happening prior to this album, do you think it'll have a huge effect on album, how the album does, Ashley? Um... Nessa, no. I feel like we've, like, seen, like, a lot of people, or a lot of, like, or some celebrities are, like, anti-vax already, I guess. So I don't think, like, a huge surprise. But also, like, I don't think she should have, like, brought it up when her album's, like, coming out. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So, yeah, it makes me question a bit. Sam? Um, kind of referencing something that happened, crazy, that happened earlier this year. I feel like Travis Scott still has his fans. Um, Yeah. He had his own controversy this year, and... I feel like when you reach a certain point um, in the music industry, you just have such a big loyal group of fans that it won't you won't I feel like you won't feel the effects of losing some and you could even possibly gain some mm-hmm. with your ideologies and people who don't listen to your music will be like, oh, I agree with um, her mindset on this. Let me give her music a try. So to be honest with you, I feel like when you hit a certain point, like, you don't even notice who is still listening to your music and who isn't as as long as people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think going off of that, Nicki Minaj is such an established artist that she could literally light somebody's house on fire and the barbs would be like, it's Nicki, she's allowed to do that. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, like, uh, going off of Sam's point, like, at this point, it doesn't matter what she does. She can believe whatever she wants. She's just so big and so established that she has this huge fan base that just attracts to her. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like certain celebrities, especially musicians, are immune to cancel culture. Like Doja Cat, when that whole controversy happened with her in the tiny chat rooms. Um, Nicki Minaj being anti-vax. Travis Scott with Astroworld. Even Kanye West, (laughs) who I'm sure everyone has seen and heard about in the media, are immune to cancel culture, even though they continuously berate the public and berate each other. So I doubt that, you know, album sales will be affected by Nicki Minaj. I think the barbs will really pull through and, like, stream her album. But um, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to listen to it. And, yeah. But... um, that concludes our newsroom episode today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics covered today, read the articles on our website, highlandernews.org, and catch us on Instagram at the Highlander UCR. Thank you for listening in, and we'll catch you next week.